Hey people, welcome again to Steve-O's Music News. I'm Steve Orchard. Welcome to my second episode. And thanks for all the support and the comments on Facebook so far for the first episode I did. That was kind of like the the introductory one, and I feel like I'm a little better prepared for this one. I just kind of wanted to get on and talk about why we were doing it and, and things like that, but I think now we got a pretty good show lined up for this one, and uh, we are also on the following sites and platforms like Spotify, uh, Breaker, Google Podcasts, and a couple that Sarah tells me are Pocket, uh, Pocket Casts and also Radio Public, so... Yeah, again, big thanks to my daughter, Sarah. She is here helping me right now with the equipment and everything. So, oh, I think we have a pretty good one for you tonight. One thing that I want to do is incorporate some guests on my podcast. Uh, they're going to be industry people when possible, radio guys, musicians, and also people that I feel who are quite knowledgeable in certain genres of music and that brings me to my guest for today's show. In fact, we're doing this show. It's This is actually my brother's birthday, Tristan. Tristan Orchard, birthday today. It is the 14th of October. Anyways, a longtime friend of mine who specializes in the hard rock and metal genre, please welcome Iron Mountain's Jerry Hammond. And Jer, thanks for, uh, for joining in today and uh, glad to have you aboard here. Oh, happy to be here, Steve-O. It should be uh, good fun here. We Everyone knows Steve-O is the expert on all things music, and um, I'm just here to help out and add a little rock edge to your show uh, anytime you need a hand. Well, that's what brings us to it right now. In fact, uh, we've got some notable titles. You've always been good with album reissues and things like that, and, and I want to talk about that. But the big news, of course, is the ACDC album called Power Up that is coming out on November 13th. I'll, I'll throw a couple of things at you here. First of all, I think that kind of caught everybody off guard that, that wasn't in the know. I didn't think we were going to get another ACDC album. You might want to talk a little bit about the, because we didn't have Brian Johnson. He wasn't able to sing. Let's talk a little bit about that. And Jared, talk about the new album coming out. Yeah, I guess a quick wrap up, but you know, like you said, people might be sort of surprised that we're at this point with a new ACDC record is they cut their last record. It came out in 2014 and that album featured four fifths of the black, excuse me, the back in black lineup from 1980. It had Angus Young on guitar, of course, Cliff Williams on bass, Phil Rudd on drums, Brian Johnson on vocals, and then Stevie Young, Angus and Malcolm's nephew subbing on uh, rhythm guitar because Malcolm unfortunately was suffering uh, from dementia at that time. And he uh, since has passed away sadly in 2017. So they were going to take that out on the road. That was the rocker bust album and tour. And it started off Phil Rudd, the drummer, he had some legal problems. So he had to drop out in came Chris Slade drummer from the nineties era, ACTC and razor's edge, thunderstruck, that sort of stuff. They hit the road. And then during the tour, Brian Johnson, he started to have, hearing problems he basically noticed it himself he could no longer hear the tones of the music in his ears you know he, they wear those in-ear monitors these days and he couldn't hear it so trying to wrap this up as quick as i can this rather you know long story short brian had to step away he couldn't finish the tour and they were left kind of with what do we do now you know angus didn't want to cancel there was about two dozen shows left in jumps axel rose as a substitute vocalist he was a guest vocalist they gave people the option 
did they want to see the show or not? They could get a refund. Axel did a fine job, and that was kind of the end of that. So a quick wrap-up on how we got here, where we were. And then bassist Cliff Williams also retired at the end of this tour, figuring the band was done and this was going to be it. So are you with me here so far, Steve-O? We got yeah. to this final. Oh, yeah, we're following here. But, you know, I didn't think Brian Johnson was ever going to come back again. And I, you know what, I... I got to say, I know a lot of people like that Bon Scott era. I've always been a Brian Johnson fan, and I've heard the first song. It's already out on YouTube. I think this is going to be pretty good seller through the holidays. Yeah, for sure. And, and Brian, actually, it took a couple of years, but he had some advanced medical techniques that he's not even really getting into detail in, but has improved his hearing problem where he was able to come back. So basically what happened is Angus started reaching out to people. He had songs. These are not like songs. They're not from the vault in terms of they're not outtakes and stuff, but songs he'd been working on over the years, some of them with Malcolm, that you know they never finished. And Angus had finished writing these songs, and he reached out to Brian and thus to Cliff and Phil, and they decided that in late 2018, that lineup went in and recorded an album. It was supposed to come out sooner than it did earlier this year, but of course we know with the COVID situation, things got delayed. So that kind of brings us right up to date here where they dropped this new single, like you said, called Shot in the Dark. And once again, 40 years on from Back in Black, we got four-fifths of the Back in Black lineup with a brand new album, 12 new tunes. Stevie Young again subbing for his uh, for his uncle, uh, you know, Malcolm. And um, it sounds great. And it's like I said, this isn't, some people got the impression this is some kind of from the vault, unreleased outtakes album. These are all new songs, all newly recorded by the band and sounding good. They plan to hit the road, but once again, that was delayed with COVID. So they're just sort of playing the waiting game like most bands and they hope to hit the road if and when they can. Yeah, in fact, that song is, uh, it's on YouTube and I'm, I'm sure it's on other platforms as well. As you said, it was called shot in the dark also now we have uh and this might be out or maybe it's not out. let's talk about robert plant you had said there was a was it a double disc collection that's out there right now yeah this one actually um was released earlier this month it came out on the second it's by robert plant as you stated it's called digging deep subterranea and what it is it's a two disc anthology disc 30 songs and while, you know, Robert is quick to point out, he said, this is not necessarily a greatest hits type disc. Although if you look at the track listing, I mean, there's hits like Big Log and In the Mood on there. It's more of an anthology covering basically 35 years of his solo work. He wanted to make sure it was equally represented from all eras, different musicians. So that's what this is. It's put together really well. There's also three previously unreleased songs on there. Flows very nice as an album in itself. Now, there's no Led Zeppelin tunes on here or anything like that. This is strictly Robert's solo work. And um, it pretty much brings his career right up to date. And it's nice packaging, 30 songs, you know, all good stuff. And for someone who wants to have all the Robert Plant in one area, or maybe someone who's not real familiar with a lot of his solo stuff, great place to check it out. What about the uh, Honey Dripper stuff? Would that be on there too? There's actually no Honey Dripper stuff on here, no. He had a previous anthology that came out in 2004 that did have some honey drippers on there, but this is strictly his solo stuff. Okay. Nothing for his collaboration with Alison Krauss. None of that is on here either. Okay. But that is out and available right now, right? So that is, that came out October 2nd and that is available now. And I recommend any flan, fans of Robert Plant grab it. All right. Roger Waters. Uh, we were talking about him the other day. You said about a live album and a Blu-ray for DVD. What are we, uh, what are we looking at here with Roger Waters? 
Yeah, Roger, that actually came out the same day as the plant disc we were discussing on October 2nd. It's uh, called Us and Them. It's from his tour of 2017 and 18 of the same name. As you stated, there's a double disc CD. It's also available on Blu-ray, DVD. It's a live concert film. There's a little bit of narrative thrown in there, but it's primarily a concert film. But fans of Pink Floyd, you're going to get a lot of Dark Side of the Moon on here, Wish You Were Here, Animals, The Wall, and also tunes from Roger's most recent solo album, Is This the Life We Really Want? And of course, you know, I mean, anything related to Pink Floyd, they always get the big spectacle in their show. And Roger definitely has a very high-tech show, so... Fans of Floyd and good music certainly want to check this out. Like I said, available as a two-disc CD, 23 tunes, DVD, Blu-ray, all the Pink Floyd you could want. All right, so that's excellent right there. And then one other title I wanted to ask you about, uh, you had brought this up to me the other day, Pantera's final CD. It's getting the reissue treatment, right, 20th anniversary? That's correct, steve Oh, yes, Pantera, since 2010, they have been putting out... 20th anniversary editions of their albums you know the first one came out in 1990 2010 we got cowboys for hell and since then they've come out in those intervals of course you know dimebag sadly passed away in the early 2000s and then his brother drummer vinnie paul passed away a couple years ago so anyway their last album came out in 2000 which of course brings us to 2020 the 20th anniversary of their final studio album called reinventing the steel that's coming out at the end of the month, on the 30th of this month. It's in a three-disc set. You got the original album remastered. You got a new mix of the original album and a third disc of rarities and things like that. New album cover, nice packaging. So, And like I said, this is the last Pantera studio album that there is. And it's pretty much all we know is that over the course of these, these reissues, they really emptied the vault. I mean, as far as we know... There's always live stuff around, but in terms of unreleased Pantera, or this seems to pretty much be it. So a final farewell to one of the great metal bands that emerged in the 90s, Pantera. Check that out. They're reinventing the steel. Final studio album gets the 20th anniversary reissue at the end of this month. All right. Well, Jared, thanks for the great input right there. You know, we've always been big on reissues and things like that. And uh, we'll certainly tap into uh, your knowledge again here on future episodes down the line. So uh, thanks for taking some time, and we'll uh, we'll check back with you later then, okay? All right, happy to do it. And everyone out there, keep rocking, and hope to talk to you soon. All right, very good. That is Iron Mountain's Jerry Ham right there, helping out with the rock news. And with that being said, let me talk about some country albums that are on the way in the next uh, couple of days. Actually, October 16th, Trace Atkins is back with an album called Ain't That Kind of Country. Now, the last time that Trace had a top 10 country single was uh, back in 2011 with a tune called Just Fish and got to number six. So uh, he is back. Uh, these are, again, all on uh, fr uh, Friday, October 16th. How about Tanya Tucker? She won the Grammy for Album of the Year earlier this year, and it, I think it caught everybody by surprise. The album was called While I'm Living. Again, she won the Grammy for the Best Country Album. This is a woman whose very first hit came when she was like a young teenager. If she was a teenager, she might have been 12 years old at the time. She had Delta Dawn, the uh, country version, which was a number six single back in 1972. Also, Jamie O'Neill, she opened with back-to-back -back number one songs back in 2000 called There Is No Arizona. And when I think about Angel, she has an album called Sometimes. Runaway June, the ladies that gave you the song Buy My Own Drinks, they have a Christmas album called When I Think About Christmas, and I'm going to talk a little more about a Christmas title in just a few moments here. Matt Stell, 
He's got singles out called Everywhere But On and Prayed For You, his album called Better Than That. That is also on Friday. And Parker McCollum, that's his name. He's working that single called Pretty Heart. He has an EP called Hollywood Gold, and that is also on Friday, October 16th. So again, those are country releases for you right there. Some interesting chart info. Tim McGraw is at number one this week on the media-based charts. For the first time in about four years, his song called I Called Mama, first one since Humble and Kind. And, you know, I, I follow media-based music road charts is what we work with at the radio station. And, of course, Billboard. But, again, this one goes back about four years. Now, he also was a part of the song by the Florida Georgia Line called May We All. So, yeah, but it's been uh, a few years. So you've probably been hearing that song, I Called Mama, if, you, uh, if you've been following country radio. All right, so talking about country albums again, how about this for you? Dolly Parton's first holiday album in 30 years a Holly Dolly Christmas blasted into Billboard's Top Country Albums and the Top Holiday Albums chart dated October 17th. Now, in its first week, which ended October 8th, the collection, which actually was released on October 2nd, it sold 27,000 equivalent album units. That's the way they say it now. With uh, I guess it was the actual 26,000 in album sales. They also figure streaming into some of this stuff. This is all according to... Nielsen Music and SoundScan, which puts all of this out. Dolly says, quote, I am so proud and humbled to have my album reach number one onto the Billboard Country and Holiday Charts. And I'll say more about that in a moment here. She says, what a great early Christmas present for me. Thanks to Billboard and the fans. So this week marks the second in a row that holiday titles have debuted at number one on the Top Country Albums. That's the first time that has ever happened since 1964. On the October 10th dated tally, Carrie Underwood's My Gift arrived with 43,000 units. For Dolly Parton, it's her eighth number one on the country albums chart and her first on the top holiday albums. Her new release also opens at number 16 on the all-genre Billboard 200. And just a couple more tips here now. A Holly Dolly Christmas, it's the third one that Dolly has done after Home for Christmas, which peaked at number 74. That was on the Top Country albums back in December of 1990. And she also had one called Once Upon a Christmas with Kenny Rogers. That got to number 12 in January of 1985. Also in her catalog of carols, Hard Candy Christmas. Now that was originally from the 1982 musical The Best Little Whorehouse in Texas which actually starred Dolly, that hit number eight on the Hot Country Songs in January of 1983. So uh, it's her first country number one album since Pure and Simple about four years ago. Everything is, um, is looking pretty good for Dolly right now. I guess I could say a few more things about Dolly. I don't want to over, overdo the chart info where she is concerned, but uh, suffice to say, with the holidays on the way, you may want to invest into a Holly Dolly Christmas. Well, I got some news here. It just, I think it was like, what is it, yesterday? I found out about Stevie Wonder is back in the news again. And it's like, man, where has Stevie Wonder been? He is now 70 years old. He actually went ahead and left Motown and then went ahead and he kind of did a press conference where he made several announcements. He actually 
held a virtual press conference yesterday, October 13th, in which he said, quote, I'm going to do something today that I've never done. And then he made three major announcements. And like I said, he is now 70 years of age. And I think he's, you know, planning on putting some music out. Uh, he had spent his entire career on Motown, and now he is signed to his own imprint. It's called What the Fuss Records. It's under Republic Records, which actually keeps him within the Universal Music Group family. And additionally, as I just said, he is releasing a couple of new songs. All of the proceeds from the first single will benefit Feeding America. Now, last summer, Wonder revealed during London's BST Festival that he would be taking a break from performing to undergo a kidney transplant. That allegedly happened uh, just back in September. He said, quote, I'm all good. I have a donor and it's all good, but he has been on hiatus since. Uh, also in September, he uploaded a seven-minute video on his YouTube page called The Universe is Watching Us, Stevie Wonder in His Feelings, which has already accumulated more than 200,000 views. Now, last year, Motown celebrated its 60th anniversary with a succession of events, activities, and special releases. You know, for Wonder, people probably don't remember this, but he has not released an album since 2005, 15 years. His 23rd studio album, A Time to Love, arrived that October. It got to number five in the Billboard Albums chart. There was a single that came off there. It was minor. It was called For Your Love. But, uh... So What the Fuss was an album single by Wonder that featured En Vogue and Prince, but now uh, a couple of new singles and a fresh start means that there may be more to come. So Stevie Wonder back in the news, and I'm glad to hear that his songs in the key of life remains in my all-time top 10. Uh, boy, his 70s output was incredible. All right, let me uh, give you a few birthdays right now here. We got some that are celebrating Sammy Hagar, the Red Rocker, he turned 73 on October 13th. Uh, my favorites by him include Your Love is Driving Me Crazy, Winner Takes It All that came out of the Stallone movie, you know, the one about the arm wrestling called Over the Top. Hagar, he went, he was in Montrose. He was uh, a solo star. Van Halen formed the band Chicken Foot. Uh, versatile, he's been around and he still looks good. He still sounds good. 73 on October 13th. That's also the same day that Marie Osmond turned 61. She hit number one back in 1973 on the country charts with Paper Roses. That was also a top 10 pop record. From there, she and her brother Donnie had the Donnie and Marie show going on, and they had a number of hit singles. Leaving It All Up to You and Morning Side of the Mountain were both top 10s on the pop charts. They would have other singles. Again, Marie Osmond is 61. Paul Simon turned 79. That was October 13th. One, if not the top duo of the 60s, along with partner Art Garfunkel. They had uh, three number one singles, The Sounds of Silence, Mrs. Robinson, and uh, Bridge Over Troubled Water. Uh, he would have Grammys for his albums Still Crazy After All These Years and Graceland. Those won the uh, albums of the year. I, but tell you what, I could say a lot about Paul Simon, but... I don't want to drone on and on. And one other birthday to mention about great arranger, producer, singer, songwriter, Richard Carpenter is 74 on October 15th. And wow, you know, of course, the Carpenters mainly Karen singing all the time. Richard did some background vocals. Um, I'll have to talk about Richard 
on another day, but yeah, he is 74 on October 15th. So we're about ready to wrap things up for this episode, but I do want to uh, I want to end here with a little bit of something. It's a it's a crazy rumor that happened in rock and roll 51 years ago this past Monday, October 12th. The whole uh, Paul McCartney is dead rumor exploded like wildfire when on October 12th, 1969. A Detroit DJ by the name of Russ Gibb at WKNR Detroit took a call from an Eastern Michigan student named Tom Zersky. And, uh, well, the key to the call is that Zersky's claim that you can hear the words, turn me on, dead man, on the Beatles recording of Revolution 9. Uh, that is, if you happen to play the song backwards and even more importantly, do you have a turntable that you can do that? <laughs> you you know what? If you want to find out more information on that, uh, you're going to need to go to Google and, and go to Wikipedia and or either that or just go, yeah, go to Wikipedia and, and just uh, type in Paul is dead and you'll find some more stuff. And again, there is more info on that. But I found that inter interesting tidbit that I got in my email that that happened 51 years ago this past Monday, October 12th. All right, so there you have it. Episode number two, Steve-O's Music News in the Books. And uh, like I've been saying, I'm going to uh, shoot to do a couple of episodes a week. The times will vary. Um, I want to thank Jerry Hamm again for his input today. He's, uh, he's really got his finger on the pulse of the rock world and reissues and things like that. So thank, uh, thanks again, Jerry, for doing that. And checking in, I'm going to have other guests and people checking in, which I hope to keep as a revolving cast of characters. Also, thanks again to my daughter, Sarah, for all of the technical help. And again, don't forget, we are on the following platforms, Spotify, Breaker, Google Podcasts, Pocket Casts, and Radio Public. I will catch you next time on Steve-O's Music News.